I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm Nate Langson and this text message was sent on Sunday, the 22nd of March, 2015. Joining me this week to discuss the top UK technology news will be Ian Morris. And that's coming up after a special feature with Andrew Hoyle of CNET.com. He's going to join us to talk about his discoveries at the Basel World Watch Fair. Yeah, millions of pounds were handed over that week. Millions and millions. It's a crazy place. Super luxury and it's, yeah, it's like Bond Street, but on drugs. Yeah. Well, the reason we're talking about this, not normally that significant uh, for a technology show, but Basel World now, this year in particular, was the focal point for a lot of tech eyes because, of course, the smartwatch industry is really beginning to gain traction. And we wanted to see what sort of smartwatches were going to come out of this traditionally quite traditional watch fair, uh, at least in terms of its analog and hands going around a clock and not necessarily notifications. So firstly, do you think, did you feel that smartwatches were a key part of this festival this year? Um, I wouldn't say a key part. Um, they certainly grabbed a lot of headlines, but but as well, but I'm, I'm looking at it from the point of view of the tech crowd. And so, and a lot of the brands that I see there, I don't, I don't even know them. I'm, I don't know a lot about watches and luxury, um, luxury um, fashion in that sense. Um, but certainly there was actually more than I thought there would be. Um, I think the most interesting one was certainly from Tag Heuer, a very traditional, uh, well-known Swiss um, watch company. Um, and they had announced a partnership with Google and Intel to do the first, really the first luxury Android Wear watch, um, which is certainly the most significant because it instead of instead of keeping Tag Heuer's traditional Swiss um, analog movements and its traditional its traditional hand built look. This will, given that it's Android Web, we can presume it's going to be fully digital with the same Android Wear software interface that we've seen on existing watches from LG and Sony and Samsung and, and stuff. So that's certainly one of the one of the bigger the bigger pieces of news from the week. And what what about others in terms of um, was there anything else there that we that that really stood out in terms of um, smartwatches? There's one I know that's got a battery that lasts for about thirty days. I remember yeah, you saying that was actually a new brand at launch called Vector, and um, and that watch is um, much more of a typical um, smartwatch, full digital um, face, which will change and show um, text and things. It's not running on Android Wear or anything like that. It's his own software. Um, monochrome display but it will it, it does have the look of a classic watch it's it's as a round or a square version like android wear watches and with nice straps and things so it looks nice but it um it will do notifications incoming calls and texts and emails and facebook things and it will track your activities and track your sleep basically everything you'd expect a smartwatch to do um, but it, as you say, it will. They're, well, they're promising uh, a 30-day battery life, which is a significant step over the charge every day Apple Watch and most Android Wear watches. I was going to say, even if they only achieved some uh, a day count half of that, that's still 14 more days of use yeah. than 
than Apple is promising and some of their competition is able to deliver. Absolutely, it's a it's a big uh, it's a big step, but they've done that with a few compromises. I would say this screen is is only monochrome, and so it won't show it won't show the same level of. Well, it just won't look as nice. I think you won't be able to show pictures or anything like that. It won't be able to show. Um, it doesn't doesn't show icons, familiar icons like the Facebook or the WhatsApp icons. It's all its own software. So that's kind of that's definitely one of the um, one of the compromises has to be made. What before we before we wrap up? What was the the maddest thing you saw there? Apart from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I hear was there. Yeah, he was there. And I know Will I Am has a, a watch. I think, yeah, as Will well. I Am is partnered with Gucci for an upcoming smart band. So I will say that both Will I Am Will I Am's partnership and the Tag Heuer partnership they were only discussing the partnership. So far, we haven't actually seen any products, so, which is why we're not talking right now about what they have done, but it's more about what they're going to do. Right. Um, but actually, speaking of Tag, that would have been. The most bizarre thing, just um, the uh, the CEO, really good guy, really interesting guy, and he was he was loud and he was laughing and he was very exuberant. And uh, right at the end of the press conference, he announces that to celebrate the history, we're going to eat his cheese. And it turns out that he has his own dairy farm of eighty six cows, and br- brought out this thirty five kilo wheel of cheese, and um, proceeds to to slice it up with the Google guys on stage, which. Um, yeah, definitely something I didn't think I'd, um, I'd see. I've never seen that in any press conference I've ever been to. It's fantastic. Only at, a, only at a watch convention would the CEO bring out a giant lump of cheese. He was very happy about it. And to be honest, so was I, because it was delicious cheese. Yeah, well, that's very good. Um, okay, so your stuff, if anybody wants to see it, is on cnet.com. Any particular article or photo gallery that you've produced that you think would be most um... relevant? Well, for a good overview, the uh, there's a gallery entitled "The Smart Watches That Mattered at Basel World 2015," and that will just give you a good overview of everything that we've launched. Well, now to talk about the week's top technology news in the UK, it's my friend Ian Morris. Hello, Ian. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Episode 10 of Text Message, also running Windows 10, I hear. Uh, uh, yes, probably the best, le- the best, le- less, no, the, my the, goodness. <laughs> the, le- the less said about that, the better. Um, no, Windows 10 is actually very, very good. Well, hold um, that even thought, this... just, just put that thought in a little box, put a ribbon around it, tie that ribbon neatly, put it aside, because we're going to come back to that in two stories time when we talk about uh, Internet Explorer dying and Windows mm. 10 um, slithering out from its corporate <laughs> loins oh, uh, yes. of its parent, Microsoft. But first, let's talk about Argos. According to Katie Collins on Wired.co.uk, we've heard of her before, Argos is running a 3D printing trial that will let shoppers customize jewelry. There's, they're offering a dedicated site that allows customers to design and order a range of 3D printed bling as Katie puts it in her piece on Wired, including bangles, rings, earrings, and pendants. They're going to cost uh, from about 55 quid to 120 quid. They'll take 21 days to get to you, and you can change things like patterns and sizes of various elements of designs. Have you ever, Ian, and and you are a married man, so you have bought jewellery in the past time, uh, I know. Mm -hmm. Have you ever wondered what life would be like if you could 3D print it from the shelves of Argos? No. Oh. I mean, it's not that I don't like the idea of 3D printing things, but I don't know if jewellery necessarily needs to be 3D printed. I mean, it sort of already is, sort yes. of. I sort mean, of. 
it it depends how you define printing, I suppose, and probably forging isn't. But um, yeah, <laughs> I do like that. I I do prefer the name forging. It actually has more of a connection to me because of my Elder Scrolls obsession. I forge mm. various things in uh, in the Elder Scrolls Online game. But I think that um, I think what you're hitting on possibly is that this is a term 3D printing that's a, a little bit gimmicky, but it's actually just rapid. Uh, creation isn't it i mean lots of things in life are customized based on your preferences and then created this is just web-based and it's got the 3d printing hook as far as marketing goes yeah except it's not really going to be i mean i do understand what they're doing i think um and i mean you know i suppose the idea is not bad i, I assume what they do is they make a mold out of it do they and then well, they well it's all made out of silver and gold-plated metal so i mean mm. we're talking proper products just yeah that, but, that, but i mean in order to in order to sort of customize something um presumably you do a design they then print it somehow in plastic and then make a mold from that as they would do with any jewelry um and then pour hot metal into it or something that is the that is the assumption yes and much easier to yeah. do that with jewelry than the rest of the products that argus offers i mean <laughs> if you're buying a cheap xbox 360 you're still going to require the uh, spotty saturday boy to bring it from the stock room um i mean argos is essentially um like a lo-fi amazon and uh, it's quite interesting well, yeah. that argos has has produced this 3d printing trial ahead of a company that you would sort of expect to already be doing a lot more 3d printing um well, such okay. as to be amazon. fair to argos they were doing what amazon does now a long time before amazon was doing it true instead of a website it was a very large uh, block of dead tree which to me still uh, baffles me that that is a product but um it, i spoke to somebody actually just like tangent here i spoke to somebody about the idea of the argos catalog a few months ago um because i thought it was just it was a relic of of uh, commercial history that they would still churn out every you know twice a year i think they are these giant books uh, full of mm. products but actually the, someone said well it's probably just so that you've permanently got something in your house like everyone's got an argos catalog in their house like they have bins of them outside every argos and it's just kind of easy to pick one up whenever you need to consult it it's there and that's keeping it in the public's mind even if they're not physically using the books to buy products from which i thought was yeah. an interesting point i mean but i suspect most people don't um you pick up a catalogue anymore if you were to ask Argos I'm sure they'd tell you that numbers of catalogues printed are massively down when you know that you can go online and see what they've got um, the good thing about Argos is of course that the stock is held locally which is almost unheard of yeah so you can put in an order and have it there you know you could you could put one in your local Argos drive there and, and have your product in maybe half an hour that there is a future in that model that what shouldn't be overlooked yeah, I think maybe we could uh, return to the Argos um, catalogue. Um, uh, what's the what's the phrase? Quandary conversation, <laughs> um, just to see exactly how they're doing. Um, however, however, we, we we digress from the topic at heart. The other thing I wanted to mention that I thought was interesting is that the last time that we heard of a, I would say, major retailer dabbling in three D printing was actually Asda. Now, Asda started this, I think, over a year ago, if not longer, and is still running it. Um, and it runs a 3D printing figurine service. And this is the uh, ability to stand in what is essentially um, like one of those naked scanners at airports. And you <laughs> have a photograph, 360 degree photograph taken of yourself. And they 3D print out a 12 inch figurine. 
which you also get in 21 days. Um, it starts at about 49 quid, um, if memory serves. And you can get all sorts of stuff, like you can have babies and adults and children and dogs and things, and they all cost varying amounts of money because obviously most babies are smaller than adults. Not always, but usually. <laughs> and certainly it would be a story if that was consistently the other way around. Um, interesting. Asda and Argos, just not two companies you would normally associate with pioneering 3D printing services. And yet here we are with two such companies doing such things. Amazing world we live in, Ian. What a great time to be alive. Oh, I'm, I, I am bowled over with excitement. Absolutely. Well, it's time to pick those bowls up because Netflix and Spotify apparently are to make a billion pound industry in the UK. This is according to Lauren Davidson writing on The Telegraph. The video streaming subscription market, and this is broadly what we're talking about, um, is actually on track to reach half a billion pounds this year amid consumers' growing desire for on-demand access to film and television that better suits their schedules and tastes, writes Lauren Davidson. Um, services like Netflix, iPlayer, Amazon Instant Video have created, quote, a dramatic growth for the video streaming sector, according to a new report from Mintel, with sales reaching £437 million in 2014, which is just over 50% increase on last year. So, and we, and apparently, according to the same report, it could hit just over £1 billion uh, pounds by 2019 streaming, and uh, Netflix and Spotify obviously at the forefront of this. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, this is something that apparently um, one in three Britons, at least one in three Britons who stream video, are happy to pay for such streaming. Um, and it's now worth quite a massive amount of money. Are you surprised, Ian? Not at all. Oh. I'm very happy to pay for Netflix. And I have and I have been since it launched in the UK. And I've uh, at no point during that period have I looked at it and thought, hmm, I don't like paying for that. I love paying for it. Um, I don't use it a huge amount, to be completely honest with you. Mm. But what what I do love about Netflix is that every now and then they come up with a TV series that's fantastic, and I watch it. Um, and I'm I'm happy to pay for that. I'm happy to pay on an ongoing basis. I, I use very little of the Netflix catalogue of other things. I tend to rely very heavily on the originals, and I I almost never use it for films because it's pretty bad. Yeah. But um, yeah. I I mean I I I like having Netflix. I just like having it, and I wouldn't want to be without it. And I, I think that the tide has been turning for some considerable time on uh, this sort of thing. I mean, broadcast networks are, they serve a purpose to some extent, but at the same time, um, most people don't use them as broadcast networks anymore. They use them as little sort of pots that they dip into. Yeah, it's the um, live it's the live stuff that's the real money getter because yeah, it's people who tune yeah. in, the second screen activity where people are commenting um, with each other on Twitter um, as yeah, they're watching, some... live voting. Like, it's massive money. And you only have to look at the number of these sorts of shows to see that these are the sorts of things, like, uh, you, you wouldn't watch that sort of stuff on demand necessarily like you would it's very it's a very different sort of thing it's more it feels to me more like live theater you know in... yeah i mean well except you wouldn't tweet during a theater performance would you w wouldn't one no one would not not if well, one wanted to uh, be allowed to stay well one has not gone to the theater with me um, <laughs> i think that's probably um good i don't know mate i'm going to see return to forbidden planet on saturday evening Oh, well, well I, I don't tweet about it. Fair enough, mate. Okay, well, um, I think this is great. I mean, th there are, this is still early days for the industry, very early days. Um, we're not seeing massive investments in return for this sort of 
money yet in that spotify while it does make money and puts people off parity it's not generating such massive money that the industry is very grateful for it um, uh, well i mean also <laughs> what i realized the other day when i was reading an article is that the industry makes quite a lot of money out of spotify the people who do not make a lot of money out of spotify are the artists i yes. wonder why that could be is it because the because record there's not industry enough is money being broken it's because there's not, there's not enough money being made yet. So it's it's sort of like, you know, they'll keep the internal money, um, but there's not being enough generated to pay for the people who are making it. No, but I mean, I certainly understand why people like Taylor Swift would take their product off um, services like Spotify. But ultimately, the amount of money being paid to the record labels is is higher by an order of magnitude than what is being paid out to artists. So I think, again the music industry needs to have a good long look at itself uh, let me ask you a question Nate a hypothetical one if there was no such thing as a record label and if artists were found I mean I suppose they then Spotify would become a record label but if there was nothing in between so if Spotify went oh we like this person on YouTube let's get them on Spotify um, then do you think that the industry would be any worse for that um that's a very interesting I think I, that might be one to break out for a full-time debate at some point. Yes. But, uh, th maybe we I can talk to some people and see what they say. You know plenty of musicians, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that at the moment it is broadly that that choice doesn't exist and that the two would exist yeah. side by side. Would that be a good thing? Yes, I do. Yeah, and I, I mean, think I you see that tested already with YouTube and its studio program. You know, yeah, they, and also, they... I mean, I th don't forget that YouTube is breaking more artists than anyone, and and you know, lots of lots of very successful people started. I mean, I don't like the guy, but Justin Bieber is a product of YouTube. Yeah, and I mean, that's obviously really bad as an example because no one likes Justin Bieber. But say if you were someone who wasn't born a complete knobber um then maybe <laughs> you would be you know you would grow into a beautiful artist and there's been lots of people that have been discovered that way you know yeah. singing lily allen songs of on course YouTube. prior to that was on the myspace uh, side of that before youtube Absolutely. was big it was myspace yeah no you make a very good point i, I think that that it's something that if, if it isn't already happening and we just haven't really appreciated that that's what's happening that it I, certainly well, I mean, will you, you only have to compare it to netflix don't you netflix started by showing other people's content and started then making its own i suspect that the same will eventually be true of spotify and it will it will sign up artists all of its own uh, it doesn't even need to change the model it could still sell the music in the same way look that's something that mm. netflix doesn't obviously do i think um, but i think the problem would be that net that only having that music on spotify is not in the interest of an audience of a, ah yes, but I'm not musician. suggesting that it would only be on Spotify. Ah, so Spotify would be effectively the label, but well, would they would become the label, yeah. And of course, maybe it would be exclusively exclusively streamed on Spotify, but you could buy it elsewhere or something. I mean, I, obviously, I I don't run Spotify, so I'm not in a position to decide how it works. But um, hmm. I think there's some potential there. Interesting. Well, we'll come back to that. I agree. Maybe a debate around that is 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 in we the could future. round table it, couldn't we? Like you did with the brilliant um, Apple Watch coverage. Thank you, mate. Well, we shall we shall see. I'll I'll see what I'll I'll have a look at my various musical jigs and <laughs> yes. see if we can't saw them together. <laughs> Amazing. Internet Explorer is dead. 
at least according to a headline written by some Gibbs on The Guardian. Um, and this is uh, the, basically the web browser that will ship with Microsoft's Windows 10 OS might not be called Internet Explorer. Um, and it won't be Internet Explorer at all. It won't just not, not be called it. It actually won't be it. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's a new browser from Microsoft codenamed Spartan after the protagonist in the Halo series of games. Apparently built from the ground up, according to Samuel Gibbs, jettisoning the underlying code from IE entirely. Um, now, this means that the browser won't be compatible with lots of old web software that wow. has to have specific I mean, code <sighs> in it just so that it will work with IE. Yeah, but the, I mean, that's not a problem. Is no. it? IE, if, the name IE is more damaging these days than IE is. Like, IE is not a bad browser at all. It's just got this, I suppose it's kind of like, I mean, you probably wouldn't name your child Caligula generally. I mean, mm. I mean, I don't mean to compare um, an internet browser to Roman, ancient Roman sexual perversion <laughs> and brutality. Um, but with a name like Caligula, I mean, I don't think it's, it's not possible to, to polish that turd. Actually, didn't someone prove scientifically you can polish a turd? I think they did something to a turd and polished it, and everyone sort of stood around going, mm, well, that's that expression gone then. Really? Well, I suppose yeah, technically, I think... if you've got a turd and a bottle of Mr. Sheen, because he does shine umpteen things clean, and they never point out what those umpteen <laughs> Which... are in the advert. <laughs> well, I mean, what's an umpteen? Is it an infinite amount, or is it a finite number? Officially an umpteen. I don't know. This is one for my uh, a, a question for... Um, my friend uh, Helen Zaltzman, who does uh, the uh, Illusionist podcast. Yes. Um, and I've just done a little quick Google here. It means, if, according to the free dictionary, <laughs> yes, the repository for world knowledge, um, it means many, very many. Yes. This was a wildly well, tangential... Uh, oh, well, you can't have a Nate and Ian podcast without at least one horrible tangent that's irrelevant. Absolutely. Uh, but yes, I think to return to the point about IE, there's really nothing wrong with it, it particularly. I mean, certainly all browsers have their real horrors, don't they? Like, for example, I'm looking at the task manager in Windows now, Chrome, and uh, Chrome is just eating my memory. Eating yeah. it now. I've got about five tabs open, and it's 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 got about it's got a well over a gig of memory all tied up doing its sweet little thing. Yeah, a, it's a gig, extremely interesting. A gig is quite a lot, but but it, it, uh, you know, we could go down the, more the, the technical route down here. But let's let's so IE is going to go away. Um, Windows 10 is going to launch without it. Whatever the new thing, it'll probably be called something like Microsoft uh, Visual Network Explorer. No, um, I think what they're going to end up, they'll call, they may, they may call it something like, you know, Spartan browser or something like that. I mean, yeah. there's no reason not to. I mean, it's a code name, but it sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Spartan. It's, well, it it, sounds it's Spartan. a good name, but also Spartan means kind of sparse and yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, basic and kind of like no, you know, no, no complications. And that's a good name for a web browser. So I, I say stick with it, guys. Mm. I suppose actually now you put you know, it like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's very different. I mean, there's nothing like that, is there? I mean, the the Firefox. I mean, Firefox doesn't mean a thing, does it? No. A fox that is of fire. Well, a, a, and Chrome, a fox on fire sounds terrible. Well, Chrome does mean a little bit more, doesn't it? But um. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not massively relevant, but yes. Anyway, so um, it's 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 a shame uh, in some ways that IE's going. I shall miss that little e. I won't. Um, I think I wanted to return to the box that I uh, 
just want to be blunt about it to be honest but then i use a mac and i haven't had ie on a mac for actually i say i've got a mac i my most of my machines are macs um but my gaming pc is actually a pc although i use yeah. chrome on it um i want to go back to the box that i asked you to take uh, away earlier and undo that ribbon and, and release hmm. windows 10 out of it because i think that hidden behind um that ribbon is a very quick top line summary of your experience of windows 10 it's thus far very good actually it's it has addressed most of my hatred of windows 8 and and i was never a particularly big hater of windows 8 to be totally honest i i was sort of i kind of saw where they were going with it i didn't always totally love it but using windows 10 feels very natural and uh, i like the visual look and i think they've tightened up all the things that they needed to tighten up um you know for example one of the thing, one of the real embarrassments about windows 7 um, windows 8 and windows 8.1 uh, were, was the fact that it felt like two operating systems sort of co conjoined in a really horrible way, um, and they have made an effort to tweak that a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not perfect yet, and I still don't think it works brilliantly on touch screens. I don't think the furniture is big enough still, um, uh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's able to scale for that. There certainly is a, there is a tablet mode now which uh, it didn't have before, which gives them the opportunity to switch it. I mean, this is what I said they should have done from the start, but hey. Uh, and, but mm. the, the look of it is grey. It adds in um, multiple desktops, which don't work at all. Um, it's, the, the multiple desktops are comical, especially if you're a multi-monitor user. Yeah, they just don't work at all. Uh, my friend works at Microsoft and said it's a test, basically. I mean, this is not official. He said it's a, it's a test to see if people are paying attention or something, um, because it's really that bad. But um, they'll wow. get there. They'll get there. Um, you know, my, uh, Apple does it very, very well on the Mac, don't they? Multiple desktops. It's, it's you. If you use a Mac there's a pretty good chance you use multiple desktops because they're so seamless. Well, I wanted to point out a few little facts that I dug up about Internet Explorer, just returning to the browser side of the conversation. Internet Explorer 1 came out in 1995. Isn't that an interesting amount of time ago? That's 20 that years. That is a lot. 20 it's, years. That is mind-blowing, Internet isn't it, really? Explorer, yeah. So we're celebrating its anniversary, but we're actually more uh, happy about its death. It's very morbid. Um, version 2 came out in 1996 and also was released for the Mac. Interesting. And uh, version 2 uh, was also included in the Internet Starter Kit for Windows 95 earlier that year in 1996, which cost $20. $20 for a browser. It also came with 30, it 30 days of internet that. access uh, with MSN, which I think was really interesting because these days that would be sort of like buying a Mac and also getting your Virgin broadband um, as part of your Mac, which would be a very interesting promotion. But that's that's quite literally, or at least as close to literally as you can get um, uh, what what happened here. So you, you bought IE and you got internet access for a month with it too. Um, in 2003, another interesting number, IE hit its market share peak it had a market share in 2003, which in my head isn't that long ago, even though it's 12 years, i.e. accounted for 95% of all web browsers on the planet. And 90% mm. of those were i.e. 6. Oh, dear. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it, it is amazing. Set, set of a really fascinating facts. Yeah. Good old i.e. I mean, it has, it was there early and... It it took over. I mean, if you if I don't yeah, presumably you went through largely the same process I went through. I mean, for a long time, IE was all I used yep. because it was better than everything else. And Firefox is a br browser I've had a 
bad relationship with over the years because I don't think it's that good. Um, and then Chrome came along and that was it. Yep. And I haven't looked back, but these things don't last. I was largely the same as you, but I switched to a Mac in about 2006. So, And do you full-time. use Safari? I do. I still use Safari. Yeah. But it's very power efficient, isn't it? That's the difference. Um, Safari is extremely power efficient. And the thing is, I've never used or liked or really even trusted add-ons. So mm, no, I agree if I was there. an add-on user, I really wanted to customize the experience, I definitely would be using Chrome. And I do have Chrome. I actually use the Canary build, um, Chrome Canary, so it's sort of pre-release stuff. And it's good. And I use it for a few very specific things, like I use it for accessing our um, CMS, uh, our website CMS and things like that mm. um, at Bloomberg and, um, and at Wired. Um, although even that really is just so I've basically got a work browser and a um, personal browser. That's that's it. F- Safari is a is a great browser. I, I love it. Well, it's, it's just simple same, and basically. fast. And that's all I they're need. They're both WebKit. And they're both WebKit. Yeah, they are both WebKit. So really there's not. I mean, obviously there are differences, but you're basically using the same engine, aren't you? So Yeah. Ian... It has been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Nate. Um, I look forward to reminiscing more about Argos catalogs and the future of Spotify as a record label in future. This is why we do podcasting together. It's for tangents it is that. like that. Yes, true. Yes. Well, don't forget, you can get in touch with us, podcast at natelangson.com. Thank you to Andrew Hoyle, who was at the beginning of the show talking about Basil World. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Uh, We really appreciate all the people who've made the effort to do that so far. I know it seems like a little bit of a chore, a little bit of a hassle, um, but honestly, at this point, the show's doing very, very well, and I'm so excited about how many people are listening to the show and uh, and commenting every week. But at the moment, you can really make a huge difference to how the show gets noticed by leaving a review. Even if you hate Apple, hate all this kind of stuff, if you do have um, a free iTunes account or something, um, maybe just break that barrier and, uh, and just leave a review. It, most podcasters get about 90% of their downloads through iTunes. So leaving reviews there, helping the show get noticed in that marketplace really is so critical in the start life of a po- starting life of a podcast and and i appreciate it personally extremely much uh, extremely greatly so um please do that if you can uh, but if nothing else just tweet tell your friends tell tell a colleague you know have you listened to the show and enjoyed it just tell someone to where to go to get it and to enjoy it thank you very much and we'll be back in a week with another text message Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.